Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Amen. Hey, we're honored to have all of you with us, those watching online. We're honored to have you guys hanging out in the room with us at Destiny Church, wherever you may be. I know some. Of you, I know there's probably somebody today that's sitting there watching this service on a boat. We're all jealous. We know you're on the boat. Enjoy. Maybe you're in your living room. I know right now that we have people that are watching in a hospital. And uh, just we mentioned Zane Frangella. We're praying for him. I know he's in the hospital today and others are out of town. And those of you that are staying home because of COVID, uh, we completely understand that. And aren't we thankful that we have this capability of having services online? Um, but hey, but even if you're, but if you're watching online, let me just say, don't forsake the live service. There's something special about being in the room with people worshiping God. And uh, so we want to welcome you and get you all back in the room. Today, we're kicking off a new series on the book of Ephesians. And uh, this is actually going to be about an eight to ten week series. This is going to take us through the entire summer and uh, we're just going to walk through the book of Ephesians together. This will be the first time we've really done something like this. Uh, we're going to take you, like today, we're going to cover one verse. And uh, I was talking with a pastor friend a while back who actually did a series. I think he was telling me he did a series on like Romans or something. And it planned to be eight weeks. And two years later, he was still in Romans. I hope we're not, you know, in this series in two years. But uh, we'll see where God takes us. But I'm planning on walking us through the book of Ephesians for the month of June, the rest of June, that's today, all of July, and then all of um, August, and then we'll, fin- we'll start something new in September. Um, but you're going to hear from me, you're going to hear from some of our other pastors and some of our leaders. And this, this book, Ephesians, is actually a letter. We actually looked at the church of Ephesus in Revelation in our last series. And so you're going to see... Um, then when they were actually doing good, this church, um, you're going to hear from them as well. But this is actually a letter, and it's written by a certain man um, to a certain group of people in a specific time and place. But one of the things I love about Scripture is though it was written a couple thousand years ago, it's still very relevant for us today. I believe Ephesians is probably one of the most relevant books in the Bible, and I hope to show you that. And what I want to encourage you to do right from the beginning, and I know some of you said, well, Pastor, I've been reading the Bible with the church this year, and we've already read through Ephesians. Well, I want to encourage you, now reread it, but this time study it. Spend time in it, dig into it, see what God is saying to you. And what we're going to do today is we're really going to just set up this series, and I want to help you understand about its author, I want to help you understand who the author was writing to, the time, the period, and then I'm going to give you a big idea in this series. So if you have your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 1 and uh, look at verse 1. We'll get there in just a moment, but that's really where we're going to spend our time today. One thing I want you to know, though, Ephesians is more than just a letter. It's scripture. Um, this is, it is relevant for us today, but this word, this letter that Paul wrote was inspired by God, it's, it was living then, and it's living today, and it's powerful. Um, Paul's letter to the church of Ephesus, to the people of Ephesus, it isn't the longest of his writings, but from this letter to the Ephesians, we see several things 
that I believe are of extreme importance to the church. We begin to see Paul paint a beautiful picture of God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. We see the Trinity. We see the plans for the church. We see the means of salvation. One of the things we really see is our position in Christ. We're going to dig into that. We see powerful advice for marriage in the book of Ephesians. We're going to, this won't be a marriage series, but we're going to talk to husbands and wives in this series. But we're also going to talk to parents in this series. We see powerful advice for families. Uh, we see powerful advice concerning spiritual warfare. Ephesians is six chapters long. Chapters one through three are about who we are in Christ, the, ma- the amazing things that Jesus has done for us, how much he loves us and our relationship with him. And then chapters four through six begin to tell us how we are to behave as believers. It gives us advice on how to live out this Christian life. The entire book of Ephesians has 155 verses. If you sat down today, um, even if you're just an average reader, and you sat down and started in verse 1 of chapter 1 and read all the way through Ephesians chapter 6 about the armor of God, it would take you 20 to 30 minutes to read the entire book. Yet it's an incredibly powerful letter. Commentator William Barclay says, Ephesians is the queen of the epistles. Commentator Klein Snodgrass says this, pound for pound, Ephesians may be the most powerful and influential, listen to this, document ever written. So maybe you ask, Pastor Chad, it's only six chapters, surely we're not going to take an entire summer to go through one book. Well, we are. And uh, there's going to be five things I think that we'll see. There's going to be a whole lot of things you're going to see through this, but five very specific things I want you to see. I believe Ephesians will deepen our understanding of Scripture. Not only the book of Ephesians, but I believe it'll bring insight and revelation to all of the Word. So we'll do that. Um, Number two, Ephesians magnifies the importance of the church. Ephesians really begins to highlight the church and shows probably more than any other letter in the New Testament or any other book in the New Testament the importance of the church. Ephesians may also, number three, Ephesians, we are going to see there's probably one of the most contemporary letters that Paul wrote. Outside of, there was a mention of slavery in Ephesians, and the city of Ephesus had a major slave trade, so that's why we see that. But outside of the mention of slavery, this letter could have been written to any modern day church. Ephesians number four, it's a grace-filled book. It's full of grace. It's full of peace. It's full of encouragement. If you, let me just say this. If you feel tired, if you feel lonely, if you feel discouraged, if you feel beat up, if you're sick, if you're depressed, if you've got anything going on in your life, feel free to dig into the book of Ephesians because I believe it will bring you hope and it will bring you peace. And then the fifth thing I think we're going to see is that Ephesians offers practical advice. Um, This is a mini theology book um, that I believe every single Christian, if you read this book, even non-Christians, if you read this book, if you dig into this book, it will benefit you and you will grow. So today, um, if you've never read it, I encourage you to dig in. If it's been a while, dig in. And here's what I want to say to you. I think if you'll make it a matter of importance to be in live services or to watch online, but not to only be a part of the services. But if you'll say, Pastor Chad, during the month of July and August, along with you, I'm going to dig in and I'm going to study the book of Ephesians, I believe it will change your life. 
I believe this can be a life-changing summer for all of us if we'll all dig into this book together. All right? Let's look at it. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 is where we're going to start today. And listen, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. These first, this first verse, it talks about three simple things that I believe are of major importance for us today. It talks about the person who is writing the letter, who he is writing the letter to, but it also begins to point toward us. So let's look at it. Number one, who is writing the letter? Paul. Paul is writing this letter. Verse one tells us, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. But notice this, Paul says in this letter that he is an apostle. But I want you to notice something. Paul did not call himself to the task of being an apostle. Listen, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Everybody say that word, say will. Paul was an apostle by the will of God. Let me remind you, or maybe you've never heard this before. Let me tell you something from the very beginning of this message, from the very beginning of this series. You want to live your life in the center of God's will. You want to live your life in the center of God's will. Too many times, at least in my life, I know none of you are like me, but too many times in my life, what I've done with God is said, hey God, I've got a great plan. Have you ever done that? Any of you ever come up with a great plan and thought, God, this is really going to work? And then you strategize and you prepare for this plan. Mind you, you're not consulting the Lord until you get your plan together. And then you say, okay, God, now get on board with my plan. Have you ever done that? I've done that too many times, right? I thought I came up with a great strategy. God, this is going to work. This is going to be amazing. This is going to change the church. This is going to change my family. This is going to change my life. And then I'm in the middle of it, and I'm like, this was a flop. How many of you know we don't ask God to get on board with our plans? We ask God, hey, what are your plans for my life? And then we get in the center of that, and we strategize based off of God's will for us, not our will. All right? This is what we see here. Paul says he's an apostle by the will of God. God has to be first in your life. God has to be the center of your life. In Romans chapter 12, I'm not going to read it, but Romans chapter 12 verse 2 begins to really talk to us about understanding God's good, pleasing, perfect will for our lives. Check out Romans. And some of us today in this room, we aren't in God's will. We're not doing what God wants us to do. We aren't where God wants us to be. We aren't serving where we need to serve. We aren't maybe living how we need to live. And we're wondering, why don't I have peace? Let me just say this, and I want you to write this down. Peace comes from being in the center of God's will. Hello? Peace comes from being in the center of God's will. So Paul says this, hey, I'm an apostle by the will of God. What he's saying here is that he was, he was called by God. He was chosen by God. Now, there's this word here called apostle. I know that many of us, when we think of the word apostle, we think of the 12 disciples that Jesus handpicked. We think of Peter, James, and John. We think of, you know, all of those. We think, we think of Judas. But this guy, Paul, did Jesus 
walk up to him on the shore and say, hey, I choose you? No. Was Jesus one of the tax collectors that he called? No. Was Paul, was Paul in the upper room at the Last Supper? No. But again and again, we see Paul calling himself an apostle. So for me at least, I have to ask the question, was he an apostle or was he an imposter? Was he really an apostle? Well, first off, to understand what an apostle is, we have to look at the definition. What's an apostle? It's a messenger sent with a commission. It's a spokesperson. It's somebody who is sent out. So even though Paul didn't walk with Jesus on the earth when Jesus walked on the earth, Paul was actually um, younger. He wouldn't, have, he wouldn't have been chosen. So even though he didn't walk with Jesus when Jesus walked on the earth, he was still handpicked by God. He was still chosen. Paul still saw Jesus. You say, when did Paul see Jesus? Well, Paul saw Jesus on a road that was leading to a city called Damascus. He encountered Jesus in that place, and that's where we see him being called by God. Jesus came to him personally. But here's the kicker. Then after this call, after this conversion, the Bible tells us that Paul went into the desert for three years. And you say, Pastor Chad, when I read Acts chapter 9, I see that Paul immediately started preaching. That's not actually what it's referencing. Galatians, again, not going to read this. I'm going to just throw some things at you. Galatians chapter 1, verse 15 through 24, look it up, tells us that after Paul had his Damascus Road encounter, he went into the desert. Some people say he went into Arabia, and he spent three years there alone with the Lord, being instructed by the Lord. The disciples spent three years with the Lord, and he released them. Paul spent three years with the Lord, and then Paul is released to begin to communicate the gospel. And it's in the wilderness, it's in this desert, as Paul is being trained by God, that he begins to understand who the Holy Spirit is, who Jesus is, who God is calling him to be. And out of that three-year experience, Paul comes out ready to communicate the gospel. So yes, Paul was an apostle, but he's different from the other apostles. Romans tells us that Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles. The disciples, they were apostles to the Jews. But Jesus called Paul to be an apostle to the Gentiles, to non-Jews. We could say it this way. Paul, listen to me, was your apostle. Paul was sent for us. So then Paul begins to begin to say, hey, here's who I'm writing this letter to. Look what he says here. And again, remember, I'm just laying some foundation for this series because I want you to understand what is happening in this book. I think we have a better understanding of what Jesus is trying to communicate to us from Scripture when we understand the context around it. All right? So Paul, listen to what Paul says here. To the saints in Ephesus. Back to Ephesians chapter 1. I think our idea of a saint is different than Paul's idea of a saint. Listen, Paul writes this. He says, to all the people in Ephesus is what he's saying. He says, to the saints. Well, what is a saint? Well, the dictionary, Webster's Dictionary says this of a saint. A saint is a person acknowledged as holy or virtuous and typically regarded as being in heaven after death. And I would say this is probably most of our ideas of what a saint is. Or we think of a statue. We think of some emblem of stone or something like that. Or we think about, you know, another thing I think of when I think of a saint is that, that old lady 
that was that's like was in the churches when I was a kid that just was faithful. She was always there. She never missed. She was one of the prayer warriors. She was always praying. She'd been in the same church. She sat in the same seat for 65 years. She everybody just said she's a dear old saint, you know? And so when we have this image of a saint, I think there's multiple ideas. But Paul said this when he's writing to the saints in Ephesus. So it's obvious that Paul was not speaking to someone who was dead and already in heaven. It's obvious that Paul is not speaking to a statue. Paul is not speaking to the old lady that's sitting in the church for 65 years. Paul is speaking, and I want you to catch this, Paul is speaking to the entire church. Now this word, saint. It's derived, listen to this, it's derived from a Greek verb which is, whose basic meaning is to set apart, to sanctify, or to make holy. It comes from the same root word, listen, the word saint comes, comes from the same root word as the word sanctified. So who is Paul writing to? He's writing, listen to me, Paul is writing to the entire community of Ephesus and the surrounding area. Listen, I, I searched this out. It is estimated that the community of believers in the Ephesus church, listen to this, were 10,000 plus. So Paul is writing to the body of Christ and he's calling them saints. He's speaking to the church. He's speaking to those who are followers of Jesus Christ. And here's what I want you to catch from the beginning of this message. If you're a child of God, if you've said yes to Jesus... You are a saint. You say, no, I'm not a saint, Pastor Chad. I know me. I am not a saint. Maybe a better word we could use here would be sanctified. You've been set apart by God. Listen to me. A saint isn't a statue. A saint isn't somebody we worship after they've died. A saint is someone who has been set apart. And here's the key. Here's one of the big ideas of this series, one of the big ideas of this message. I want you to write this down, but I want you to capture this in your heart. We are saints, but what this means is what makes you and I a saint or what makes us sanctified is not what we do, but rather it's what he has done. Let me say it again. What makes you or I a saint what sets us apart, what makes us sanctified, is not what we have done. It's what He has done. And I know this is hard for some of us because when we think of the word saint, we think of the you know, Webster's Dictionary definition rather than the biblical definition. Here's what I want to tell you today. Erase the dictionary definition of the word saint from your mind and understand what the Bible says, understand what Paul is telling us in Ephesians. If you are a believer, if you've said yes to Jesus, you have been sanctified, you have been set apart, and God says you are a saint. That's the big idea. And the big idea of the first three chapters of Ephesians is this. You are worthy to be called a saint. You are worthy not because of what you have done, but because of what Jesus has done. Listen to me today. No matter what you've done, no matter what you will do, your effort that you will put in for the rest of your life, it will never make you worthy of being a saint. You are only worthy of being a saint or sanctified or set apart because of what Jesus has done. 
Listen to me today. We are worthy to be called sons and daughters of God because of what Jesus has done. And I don't know about you, but that's great news. I'm worthy because of Jesus. I'm not worthy because of my efforts. I'm not worthy because of my failures. I'm not worthy because of my shortcomings. I'm not worthy because of anything I could do, any amount of money I could ever pay. I'm worthy because one man stretched out his arms on a cross and he died for your sins and he died for my sins. That's why we're worthy today. Anybody alive? So Paul's writing this letter. He's writing it to a group of people in an area, in a city called Ephesus. But he's not only writing to Ephesus. I'll explain this in just a moment. Many of Paul's letters, when he writes them, he's writing them to a specific church. He's writing the book of Ephesians to a general area. Paul knew the people of Ephesus pretty well. He went to Ephesus on his second missionary journey. Uh, around 52 to 53 AD, and he spent a little bit of time in Ephesus, but his third missionary journey lasted three years for him in Ephesus. The journey lasted longer, but his third missionary journey, Paul returned to Ephesus, and he spent three years there, 54 to 57 AD. And his time in Ephesus was marked by salvations, it was marked by miracles, And it was also marked by conflict. We're also going to look at that conflict in just a moment. But Ephesus was one of the most prominent and elegant cities of the first century. Um, Ephesus had a major sheltered port uh, and was located on a significant trade route, including a famous silk route and a spice route. And that was one of the major um, things that came into this city, but... um, Eventually, a mudslide happened, and it knocked out the harbor. It knocked out the port, and they lost that. But it was still a major, major commercial center. And as I said at the beginning of the message, they had a very large um, slave market and an international population. Remember, though, when Paul is writing this letter, he's not necessarily talking to the city of Ephesus. He's talking to the church of Ephesus. Okay, Because you're going to see the city of Ephesus, along with slave trade and many other things, was a very sinful city. Uh, according, though, to BibleandHistory.com, in the New Testament era, um, Ephesus was, a, was probably the fourth greatest city in the world. Spiritually, though, so they had a lot of things happening. They were bringing in a lot of money. They were doing a lot of trade. Spiritually, though, this was a wicked city. Um, The city was the center for the worship of goddess Diana, or another name that you might know as Artemis. The city itself was full of practices of the occult, sorcery, astrology, fortune-telling. It was a perverted city. One of the most perverted things they did is they had prostitution in the temple. This was not the community of believers. This would not have been the Christian church. This would have been the worldly church, the city church, the city temple that they had. They would literally, when they would say you're going to the temple, you weren't going to the temple for these people to worship God. You were going to meet with a prostitute. And that was this city in which Paul was coming. So it's understandable why against this backdrop, Paul would write such strong words and strong letters to this city. But in Acts chapter 19 and 20, you see a lot of things that are happening in Ephesus in the book of Acts. But in Acts chapter 19 and 20, we see some people in Ephesus, they begin to get upset at Paul. Um, This is during his three-year missionary stay here. God's moving. 
Um, God's doing great things, but people are upset. Sounds like church today. But anyway, but not because people were, uh, Paul was winning people to the Lord. They weren't upset at him for that. They weren't upset at Paul because his church was growing. This, listen, why they got upset at Paul because he was impacting their pocketbooks. Let's look at it. Acts chapter 19, verse 23 through 28. It'll be on the screen. At that time, a major disturbance erupted in Ephesus over the people following God's way, becoming Christians. It began with a wealthy man named Demetrius who had built a large business and enriched many craftsmen by manufacturing silver shrines for the Greek goddess Artemis or Diana. Demetrius called a meeting of his employees along with all the various tradespeople of Ephesus and said, You know that our prosperous livelihood is being threatened by this Paul who is persuading crowds of people to turn away from our gods. We make a good living by doing what we do, but everywhere Paul goes, not only here in Ephesus, but throughout western Turkey, he convinces people there's no such thing as a God made with hands. Our businesses are in danger of being discredited, and not only that, but the temple of our great goddess Artemis is being dishonored and seen as worthless. She is the goddess of all western Turkey, and she's worshipped in all the world. But if this outrage continues, everyone everywhere will suffer from the loss of of her magnificent greatness. Verse 28, when the people heard this, they were filled with boiling rage. Listen, the people, these leaders, are upset not because people are being saved. They're upset not because the church is growing. Here's why they're upset. They're upset because, listen to me, I want you to capture this. People are buying into the free gift of salvation. And they're stopping from buying these silver trinkets. They're buying into God. And they're stopped buying into false gods. Anytime you disrupt the world system because of Jesus, listen to me. And this isn't a political statement, but anytime you interrupt the world system with God, you're going to upset people. And that's what we see happening here. Here's what I want you to understand. Paul is having great impact in Ephesus. The church is exploding, but he also faces great criticism. And as Christians, we have to know these two things go hand in hand. Great impact in the kingdom of God oftentimes comes with strong criticism. Let me say it again. Great impact in the kingdom of God oftentimes comes with strong criticism from the world. Something else I want you to see here about Paul before I begin to wrap this up today. At the time Paul wrote Ephesians, he was in Roman custody. He was in prison. This is now around 62 AD. Paul did not write the letter to Ephesus in Ephesians. He wrote it after his missionary journey. He wrote it from a prison. Yet in the midst of his hardship, He remained faithful to God. So why do I remind you of this? When you read this letter this summer, when you spend time in the book of Ephesians, one of the things I want you to remember is this, is even if you're in a difficult season of life, even if you're sick in your body, if you're in a hospital, if your bills are piling up higher than your income, if your marriage is a wreck, if you've got a child that's running from God, what I want to remind you of this, is Paul remained faithful to God even in hardship. So I want to encourage you today, no matter what you're facing in life, remain faithful to God. All right, can we do that? Can we remain faithful? The letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians, I said this at the beginning when I said that it was written to Ephesus. This was intended to be, uh, let's let's go to an old school term, a a circular. 
a, a newspaper, a newsletter in essence. It was not only going to Ephesus, but it was going to that greater area. But Ephesus was the hub. So Paul is speaking in general terms. He's not speaking, you'll notice in Ephesus, he's not speaking against false teachers. He's, he's kind of just bringing encouragement to a general area of the word in that area. And he's, and he's covering several broad theological issues. He's dealing with things like the grace of God which is major of importance. He's dealing with things like the calling of the Christian in Ephesians. He's dealing with things like the unity of believers in Ephesians. But one of the things, and this is where we're going to spend the last few moments we have today, one of the things this letter really drives home is the idea of being in Christ. In Christ is a very important phrase throughout the entire book of Ephesians. All of Paul's letters, in all of Paul's letters, he deals with this phrase, in Christ, over a hundred times. But the most prominent, the most times he mentions it is in this letter. And in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, is the very first time we see this in Christ. Look at it. To the saints who are in Ephesus are, and are faithful in Christ Jesus. In Christ. Now this is a short phrase. But this is one of the most important terms, and I wrote in my notes, this is one of the most important terms in the New Testament, but I believe this term, this phrase, in Christ, is one of the most important terms in all of the Bible. In Christ. In, verse, in, in, verse one, in chapter 1, verse 7, it begins with, in Him we have redemption. In Christ we have redemption. Verse 11 says, in Him we have received an inheritance. Verse 13 says, in him we were stamped and we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. So what does it mean to be in him? Or what does it mean to be in Christ? To be in Christ, one of the ways we could describe this is to be a Christian. Those who are in Christ, listen to me, those who are in Christ are those who have said yes to Jesus. Those who are in Christ are those who have been redeemed. Those who are in Christ are those who have been united with God and identify with Christ. Those who are in Christ know that when Jesus died on the cross and said, it is finished, that he accomplished all that he set out to do and that we line up with that and that is our inheritance. When we become in Christ, all that Jesus finished is ours. Healing is ours because we are in Christ. Salvation is ours because we are in Christ. Blessing is ours because we are in Christ. In Christ, it's a major term. Look back at Ephesians chapter 1. To the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Here's what I want you to see. Paul is writing to the people of Ephesus and the surrounding area. And he says, to those who live in Ephesus. But he also wants them to understand, hey, you live in this city, but you also live in Christ. Here's what I want you to capture today. I want you to hear this. For me, Chad Blanza, I live in Republic, Missouri, but I also live in Christ. I breathe oxygen from planet Earth. I live in this world. My feet are on the ground in this world. I live here. I have authority even in this world. But not only do I live in this world, I also have another life. It's a spiritual life, and it's lived in Christ. And listen to me, as believers watching online, as believers in this room, if we can ever come to grips with this idea of being in Christ, I believe it'll change our lives. 
It may be helpful for those of you who may be struggling with this concept of in Christ. Maybe it'll help you to read it this way, because of Christ. Maybe you can read it that way. In Christ, or because of Christ, we enjoy the privilege of being spiritually alive. In Christ, or because of Jesus, we have eternal life despite deserving death for our sins. In Christ, or because of Jesus, we are no longer condemned, but we are made righteous because of Jesus. In Christ, or because of Jesus, we stand before God righteous, holy, and redeemed. Everybody say this phrase with me. Say, in Christ. Say it again. Say, in Christ. Come on, say it again. Say, in Christ. That's one of the most important things I can teach you in this entire series is being in Christ. If there's anything I want you to get, if there's anything I want you to wrap your mind around in this room, watching online, wherever you may be today, I want us to get this, the handle or this idea of what it means to be in Christ. Next week, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 14. And I'm not going to take away from next week's message but here's what I want you to see from verses 1 through verses 14. Ten times the phrase in Christ or in Him is mentioned. Let me just go through those with you. In verse 1 it says, we are called the faithful in Christ. In verse 3 it tells us God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. In verse 4 it tells us God chose us in Christ. In verse 6, it tells us God has freely given us grace in Christ. In verse 7, it says we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins because of Jesus. In verse 9, it tells us God has made us known to us the mystery of his will in Christ. In verse 11, it says we were chosen in Christ. In verse 12, it tells us we put our hope in Christ. In verse 13, it tells us we are included in Christ. In verse 13, it also tells us we were marked in Christ with the seal of the Holy Spirit. Ten times it tells us in Christ. Ten times. So I think that's a pretty important idea for this series. And here's the last thing I want to tell you. When you're in Christ, all that is true of Him, capture this, write this down, somebody needs to hear this. When you're in Christ, all that is true of him changes what is true of you. Let me say it again. When you're in Christ, all that is true of him changes what is true of you. Remember from earlier, you are sanctified. You're in Christ. Not because of what you've done, but because of what he's done. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.